Welcome to Broadband Action, the podcast produced by the Community Broadband Action Network. I'm Curtis Dean. Today, we are going to be talking about what one locality in Wisconsin is doing to take action on hopefully controlling their broadband future by really taking a close look at what they have and what they don't have. And I'm really excited to be joined by these next two folks. Uh, this is uh, Jessica Hatch, who is the broadband coordinator for Door County, Wisconsin. Hi, Jessica. Hi. And uh, and we also have Hugh Zettel. 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 There you go. Yeah, there you go. Hugh Zettel. I won't I won't re re-edit that because people know I mess things up. So we'll just go with it. Uh, Hugh Zettel is with the Door County Broadband Committee chair. And for those of you who don't know Door County, you are kind of up in the tip of the thumb of Wisconsin. Is that is that an accurate thing to say? Yes, we are the thumb. We are. are we always say we're the thumb. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 well, you're, so, you're you know look backwards michigan wisconsin you know yeah the the, the, the they, they look like opposing hands actually kind of right. well no they're kind they of they do same. yeah yeah well they're uh, like well, mittens that face each other we've had that discussion before because our uh fellow co uh c-ban uh co-founder uh john willa lives up in near the thumb of michigan so uh, there you go, anatomy right? and broadband today on our podcast. So, um, but you guys are uh, up. You're a very remote and rural area and location, and so, but what you're doing, I think, is a really great model for communities, localities, counties across the nation that can be, you know, doing some local planning for better broadband. So, I wanted to bring you on, and thanks for you both for joining us. Um, starting off, you know, Door County is really kind of putting its money where its mouth is in that they've one of the few places I've heard of that have actually hired a staff person in your case, Jessica, you to be a full-time uh, broadband coordinator. Uh, what was some of the reasoning behind uh, the County investing in the, what the human resources needed to do a good planning effort? Well, one of the biggest reasons um, was that the county itself had invested in an in engineering analysis with a couple um, uh, private companies, um, municipalities in the area to kind of do an assessment countywide to see, mm -hmm. you know, what's the lived experience here in Door County and um, what's, you know, our broadband desert like in the area. And one of the um, biggest recommendations from the engineers from um, Finley were to have someone that is full-time um, that is designated specifically to handle broadband um, because I think you know everyone that is in this area at this point and having these conversations they really understand the challenges of trying to you know throw this on your GIS person or your IT person right. or economic development um, it really does need its own um care <laughs> and someone mm -hmm. full-time designated to really have those conversations and help with that so they um had to make a decision at the time um is is this position going to live with economic development or is it going to live with the county and and thankfully i ended with the county now the uh, uh there was already a broadband committee in place even before you came on board is that correct jessica not at a county so level um we had a couple we well so we had a couple local committees um that had been in place in a few municipalities kind of tackling those conversations okay. and then that was gotcha. one of the other catalysts was well this this movement is kind of going at in this direction where everyone's kind of having these conversations individually mm -hmm. um so 
kind of just stayed naturally, um, you know, as a federated approach um, where our municipalities uh, had their own ad hoc committees, but we right. stood up, I started my position, we stood up our county committee um, that okay. Hugh was designated the chair as. And as chair, Hugh, what, your, your roles and duties include going where Jessica tells you to, right? <laughs> <laughs> After all, she is coordinating. <laughs> yes. So no, I, I think um, part of it is, you know, in our role as county supervisors, you know, we basically um, implement the policy that's done at the county board level, you know, at our committee chair perspectives. Uh, part of it is bringing in the right sort of stakeholders, um, providing uh, Jessica air cover, uh, because we have <laughs> such a diverse mix within Door County. In the southern part of the county, it's all rural, all agriculture, you know, large dairy farms. And mm -hmm. as you go further north, you know, it's more uh, seasonal homeowners, right. you, know, door, you know, Door County tourism, you know, that sort of thing. So there is a lot of fragmentation, if you will, you know, relative to the broadband needs per se. And I think that also drove the federated approach. So yeah. um, part of it is um, working hand in hand with Jessica, um, you know, maybe it's, I'm two hands on, but we complement each other's strengths, I, I think quite well. And, uh, you know, where there's challenges with uh, some of my colleagues, um, you know, I'm able to, you know, to provide her air cover uh, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, get engagement, not only with the county board level, but also with some of the, some of the municipalities. So, for example, one of the towns that I represent uh, as my county board in the, in the county area that I serve didn't have a committee and right. very small town, very rural. Um, and uh, I worked to get a committee stood up, for example, right? Otherwise, you know, you know, Jessica only has so much, you know, that she's able to do to try to you know, uh, cajole and twist arms to get a, a town board to get a committee going. So since I kind of represented, you know, part of that town, I helped them stand up a committee, you know, and just given the role that I'm, I'm at at the countywide level, I, you know, kind of helped them, you know, bootstrap, you know, I attend yep. most of their meetings um, and, and to get them going. So, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, leverage, you know, each other uh, to try to make it successful countywide. I think my confusion about whether the broadband committee predated you, Jessica, is the fact that uh, we have a person from Ellison Bay that joined CBAN like three years ago. And I think they were part of the Ellison they Bay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and so that I was thinking there was, but that was probably just for Ellison Bay. And now you guys are all working together, which makes a lot more sense because you have so much in common. Yeah, he lives in Ellison Bay, which is in um, Liberty Grove as the municipality. And he and his wife, Karen, helped stand up. Um, they're the oldest and, and longest running, and they've been the most active in the county, um, which he just stepped mm -hmm. down um, last year as chair. But um, okay. they're at almost 10 years of that committee. Wow. So yeah, and, and extremely active um, because of the needs that right. he and Karen really need. And they're still in a desert after, you know, 10 years of work on their own. So, yeah, it's, it is, a it, it, it may start out as something you get involved with to help your own situation, but uh, then you easily get pulled down the rabbit hole of, wow, this is really important for everybody. And then it becomes much bigger than yourself. Absolutely. That's for sure. Right. 
Now, yeah, talk about the process that you've uh, been engaging in in Door County um, uh, from when you kind of started the efforts. Um, you know, what have you done to this point and where do you stand with your process? Well, um, I think things really got rolling with the engineering analysis that wrapped up kind of January, February of 2022. And then mm -hmm. um, that, you know, turned into the process to try to find someone as the coordinator. Um, and once we had our committee um, on board at a county level, it was really digging into um, what direction we wanted to go and, and the things that we wanted to get started on. Um, one of the biggest um, pieces of the puzzle were making sure that we had some ad hoc committees out there at municipal levels to mm -hmm. get that feedback um, and have people involved um, at a grass, grassroots level um, in each municipality. So um, some of those were underway and the county administrator had asked uh, those municipalities to do that um, a little bit prior to me coming into my role. Um, and then there was a lot of outreach and follow-up um, to kind of push that boulder along um, so that we would have those. And then, um, you know, meeting Hugh, us getting to kind of know each other and have that conversation, like where, where are we going to go with the committee? How are we going to kind of tackle these things? And, you know, we had to get a charter going and mm -hmm. make sure that we had all the stakeholders we needed. And then really it was kind of determining, you know, we, we all have this, this long-term view of bead funding. Um, right. So what we kind of looked at was like, well, what are the, what are the things we need to tackle to look at qualifying for bead funding as a community? Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, breaking it down into an approachable format for us to agenda things and getting feedback from our committee members on things that they felt were important um, for us to tackle. Um, and we knew we obviously needed to get a snapshot of like, what what is broadband like in Door County? We have this right. engineering analysis and they, they did do a survey um, mm -hmm. and, and they felt their survey response was really good which we had about a response of like 940-ish. Um, but out of 25,000 E911 addresses, yeah, I didn't really feel that was enough of a snapshot, neither did Hugh. So um, it was kind of a decision-making process on, um, we need a survey, what, what should we tackle? What do we want to include? What do we not want to include? Right. And we met with another committee member and um, then really it just came down to me kind of saying, well, wait a minute, the Wisconsin Broadband Office who have been in place now for over 10 years has this fantastic survey tool called Wiser. Um, so it's mm. Wisconsin Internet Self-Report. And it ticked all the boxes for all the questions we wanted and needed and uh -huh. also and had a built-in speed test. So Excellent. it was just a matter of, yeah, reaching out to them and partnering with them on utilizing that tool um, and getting a data use agreement in place, which was um, not, not too tricky and working with them and really understanding that we want our feedback from our residents to be reported at a state level, but are they, if we create our own survey, are they going to accept it? 
If we right. use our own right. speed test tool, is it going to meet the needs of what they want? Um, right. Because the whole point of this is yes, for our planning purposes, but we wanted to have a larger impact to the state for bead funding as well. So, you know, we decided to partner with them and use the Wiser survey because twofold positive impact to us locally and positive impact at a state level for funding. Um, so that was really uh, a, just a no brainer for yeah, us to make that decision. Absolutely. It's nice and that you have access to something like that. It is, um, you know, in everything that we've done, we really like to come back to, do we need to reinvent the wheel or do we need to just kind of make sure we're finding the best tools of it that are already available and then how can we implement those tools and use that information and data for that um and then uh after that um you know meeting with and and discussing and explaining to our municipal committees this is the tool we've chosen and doing like a very large pr push on that survey and almost every single one of our 19 municipalities, I think we just had probably four of them that didn't, all mm -hmm. mailed out. We we went with a paper version and okay. the online tool because how do you take a broadband survey? <laughs> you when don't you don't have internet. Yeah, you don't have internet. You can't take this. And we knew that the most important data to capture are the people that have no service. Yeah. So no service available locations are extremely important. And we have an older community here as well, and they respond better to that version. So we pushed out a, a, a short and sweet version. Right. Um, With the key things you needed to know. Yeah. The key things we needed to know. And um, with a return address to me or a return email to me, um, if they wanted to take a picture of it, whatever it was, you know, we weren't sure what that was going to garner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just tell you, so I've, I've personally entered over a thousand responses into Wiser myself, wow. like physically over the past year. So, um, we've had to date, we are at, um, 4,167 responses Wow. for Wiser. Um, and there is about 1200 of those that were paper. Or, v or email that were sent back um, to me. And we've had a great response. So, you know, when we look at our response rates, we were, I'm really lucky with Hugh's background and working, he worked at GE for years, GE corporate. Mm -hmm. So he's really good at breaking all this down where we, you know, we decided we'll look at this by E911 e response. We will look at by um, broadband serviceable location, FCC response rate how yep. many locations we have. And we also look at it by census. So we look at it three different ways. And at, at this point, the best way to really look at that is by BSLs, mm -hmm. um, which we are at almost a 30% response rate, roughly for BSL locations. Well, that's that's an excellent sample. I do a little marketing research myself and that that's, that's an amazing response. And obviously, getting the word out is the key to any kind of response like that is making sure people know that that because um, you know there are there are going to be people that say I, I never knew anything about that but it sounds like you guys really all worked hard on the local level there to communicate with people to participate in the process 
Yeah, those municipal committees really did. And and we were fortunate enough that those municipal boards did approve for them to physically mail it out and pay postage to mm -hmm. send it out to their tax bills. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the municipal leaders also did things, Curtis, such as engage with their school boards. Mm -hmm. And so when they would, you know, do the signups in the fall for school, right, that'd be part of the kit. So you get parents, you know, uh, to, you know, make sure they can provide feedback since, since we are so rural, you know, COVID was very painful in terms of not being able to do remote schooling uh, with, with folks that, that didn't have broadband access or because even our cell cellular coverage is very spotty in a lot of areas, you know, they tried hotspots and hotspots didn't work. So uh, school districts were very important stakeholders and champions with us to get the word out and to get the survey done. I yeah. think the other part too is getting the visual feedback of it. And I think that's where, um, you know, the other strength that the county has is a very good GIS department. So yeah. the fact that we were able to do the data sharing agreement that Jessica talked about, and then basically, if you will, light up a municipality with, you know, dots that's showing whether you had cover, had service, you know, what did the UCLA speed test you know, provide, right. uh, where, where do we have pockets of no coverage? So then to visibly see that, you know, help reinforce to the municipalities that, hey, you know, this this is a big deal or why is this pocket not responding, right? Yep. So, so it, that sort of feedback, being able to show them, you know, you know, here's where the survey is, is deployed, here's the response we're getting, here's the results that we're getting. Um, and I think that kind of reinforces as well what was in the Finley study, I think, the Finley study was eye-opening because in the areas even where we thought we had a good service, because of the speed test data that they included, it showed mm -hmm. you know people really weren't getting what they were paying for. And uh, the nice thing about the Wiser survey is having that speed test helped reinforce that, which also helps us in any kind of grant narrative to be able right. to have that volume of st statistically relevant data to say you know, this is, you know, this is what we have in our community and, and we need to improve it. And that's, you know, one of the, one of the struggles that we've had in the broadband industry, especially with uh, funding opportunities is the maps and the fact that maps are, most maps are based on provider self-reported right. maximum speeds or available speeds and not that does, there's always a big, in many cases, a big disconnect between what the provider is saying and what the person is experiencing. Right. So right. kind of having that ground truth on that really makes that help. Um, not, not to talk too much about maps, but we can't talk about broadband planning without talking a little bit about maps. And Absolutely. Uh, you guys did a, a really uh, a neat exercise, I thought. Um, you had a, a broadband or a, a, a summit, essentially, uh, here a few weeks ago, and I was able to attend online. And I liked, Hugh, how you you really kind of showed how you ha take the information that is being provided on a national level and even down to the state level on broadband maps and really could take a close look at what that actually means and what's right and what's wrong. Talk a little bit about that process. Um, <laughs> yes, it's... Uh... I live in uh, Thomas Vastpool, so I've been helping that committee um, with their uh, kind of evaluation exercise and with their effort in, in getting broadband um, for those for their 3,000 citizens. Um, 
it's always again, you know, being an engineer by trade and a marketing marketing analytics person, right? You gotta you gotta work, get your hands on the data. So yeah. um, it was a challenge looking at the on one hand the broadband serviceable locations because all they are you know are, are just dots in the hexagon, and then you gotta try to make sense of it. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of that had to do with a couple things. One is having a a GIS department where you can get the addresses on you know unfortunately in the broadband world you have to change your thinking from street addresses to geolocations right right so that you know the the geolocation your longitude and latitude you know that rules and then your a street address, if you will, becomes a translation relative to what you know in your community. Mm-hmm. And um, we know we we had some challenges when we first looked at our the BSL data in our town. And it's like, what are all these building twos and building threes right. as an address? And, uh, you know, you make this assumption that the data is clean. And that's obviously the, the first assumption is, OK, I got to there's some things that are missing um, and some things that we found missing were. Um, things like there were contrived addresses, like the mm-hmm. FCC had a BSL location. It's like, that doesn't exist. So one of the key things is having working with a GIS department or your land use department. Um, they are the source of truth, right? Cause at the right. end of the day, it's the parcel that's legally defined within that, you know, uh, land uh, area. And from the parcel you define, you know, uh, street addresses and all those sorts of things. So, on one hand, that, if you will, is our source of truth. And so it's how do I map that source of truth and the geolocations that are associated with it with what the FCC said. So the, right. the first pass was taking all the broadband serviceable locations and getting rid of, if you will, or identifying you know, the contrived addresses, the made-up addresses, and those sorts of things, and, 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 and putting those off to the side or defining them as invalid. Uh, the second one was um, taking all the locations. We are rural, have a lot of farms. Um, and so you're primarily putting a connection to the house. You're not putting right. a connection to the barn, um, to the sh- machine shed, those sorts of things. And that's where we had a lot of these building two, building three right. locations in the FCC data that we that I flagged right away and say, okay, I got to look at these separately because they're probably associated uh, on property that has a farmhouse. And right. so- you know, so it was reconciling those. So that was another set of locations that we said, okay, those are invalid. Um, and then once we got that done, then we were able to say, okay, these match up with real addresses that we know about. Mm-hmm. So, so then, you know, then you can sort out whether or not, um, you know, the house that that you have a match with is that house a house that somebody's living in, right? The dilapidated property, you know, those sorts of things. Um, we're fortunate in that our land use uh, department does aerial photography of the county every two years. Great. So we have very good data. It's high res photography. You know, it's it. Yes, it is a, a, a top down, but then it's got a 3D viewer, so you can pan to the side to look around trees and those sorts of things. So it saves you all that time of driving around, you know, right. to a large rural area to see what's there. So we're able to do that. <clears throat> so then we were able to define what BSLs were really good or accurate. We 
have the ones that were invalid in, in, in our town. It's about 5%. I helped out another town down the road from us. Uh, has about 2,000 some locations. They had a 10% wow. defect rate, if you will. Defect um, meaning in they weren't really BS. There weren't broadband serviceable <laughs> locations. Like as I called them in the, in, the, in the summit, they were BS locations. Yes, BS the, the BS levels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that, we, we there's still a, a pocket of addresses the town addresses are e91 numbers mm -hmm. uh, that were in parcels that we that didn't have a bsl okay so are those real or not real so that was the last step so it's you know matching the bsls to real addresses that was the first thing getting rid of the bogus want bsls um and then for the addresses that didn't have a bsl determine whether or not there really was a valid one and you know right there's things like houses get built you know, businesses open, you know, sure. on properties gets built. So, you know, we were, you know, every community has got uh, typically building permits that have to get issued, right? So you can get a, a file from the county county clerk or municipality say, hey, give me your building permits. And to get a building permit, you need to have an address. So those sorts of things, you'd have a list of those that you could use to help reconcile to get then a, a solid list. A lot of work, a lot of work parsing all this data <clears throat> that you have exposure to. So uh, that's yeah, you're 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 probably not unlike a lot of other people <coughs> have been staring at a lot of maps and looking at a lot of spreadsheets over the past few months or even years. Yes, yes. and and that's where committee comes in nicely as well, right? There are uh, one of the interesting things that we learned is um, to help us determine whether or not a location is real or not is we. Uh, our town clerk gave us the idea, said, hey, why don't I give you our tax assessor file? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it basically has to assess all the parcels, whether it's a farm field, a, co a commercial property, a residential property. And when you think of the rigor that an assessor has to do to meet the Department of Revenue for the state of Wisconsin's requirements, mm -hmm. right? They have to be very accurate in describing a building and assessing its value, all those sorts of things. So we had data that would show for a parcel, for example, we had a BSL on a location that had a, a total improvement value of zero. So a total improvement value of zero would be an you know, either a non-for-profit type of non-taxable location mm -hmm. or um, could be a farm field, right? There is no improvements, no buildings, no nothing, right? right? And this tax assessor file also gave a sanitary status of whether it had a septic tank or a municipal system. So we had something that had zero improvement on it, but yet it had a, a septic system. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense, yeah. right? And it turns out it was a cemetery, right? They had a Aha. small little building, you know, with a with a with a toilet, you know, for in a maintenance area. Yep. But you know, we're not putting broadband in a cemetery. So those are the kinds of things where you know you can use some files and just you know merging some data to help you kind of clean that stuff up. And then for the we had about two hundred locations that we were scratching our heads about, so we just kind of distributed it about amongst the committee and. Within two days, you know, people had, you know, their notes, you know, about, yep. you know, what was what. So we had nice, clean data. Well, it's nice that you've built a team to help with all these, uh, all these tasks that you're doing. Um, <coughs> what are the next steps? I mean, what is the end game here for Door County? Is the county going to be 
providing any funding support? Is your primary role just to make sure that the bead money that is invested is invested wisely? Uh, what, what, what's your what's your end goal here? Well, the county um, has ARPA funding that is going to be in and is designated and set aside um, for each municipality. What they um, originally looked at was $25 per E911. Okay. And then, you know, that's kind of a fixed and a snapshot in time. That's what's mm -hmm. available. So um, what we kind of came up with, with discussing with the, the county administrator is um, kind of our own internal little like broadband um, grant for sure. the municipalities and um, things that are approved uses, you know, if you want to um, use this towards an engineering analysis, or if you want right. to use it towards infrastructure or digital equity and inclusion, um, they just need to meet the needs um, on the requirements, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a committee, having discussions, addressing certain questions that we want them to talk about and making sure that they can tick the box and say, like, we did look at this. We 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 did these, you know, these small um, activities. Um, we want to apply for our funding. This is what we're going to use it for. And then the county committee will review it. <clears throat> and um, a majority of them are using that towards um, matching funds for grants with providers um, when they are applying for grants, um, unless they have their own ARPA funding set aside that they're still saving and wanting to use. Right. So that's kind of the end game here is making sure that um, each municipality has um, chosen, they've issued a, a request for a proposal, they have found an internet service provider to partner with in a public-private partnership um, to apply for fiber to the premise for all locations and businesses under their municipal boundaries, and then um, utilize the funding that they have available if they want to for matching funds, and then build out under those municipal boundaries and in those um, relationships and under their public-private partnership to make sure that everyone is served under those areas. Um, so that's been our strategy the entire time. Well, the, 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 the exercise that you're going through is something that, um, I, I, I think is amazing. And that's why I wanted to spotlight what you guys are doing, because this is how other communities learn is by seeing, watching the examples of communities like Door County that are really, uh, t trying to, uh, provide some guidance and, and, uh, help, uh, help ensure that their, uh, residents are, um, served better by the time this whole process is over. I, just real quick, what has been the response from the provider community in Door County? Have they been uh, participants in the process and, and do they seem to be willing and interested in filling some of these gaps that are identified? Well, it's definitely changed, um, you know, from when I started my position in April of 22 to now. Um, that has kind of taken a different course. Um, at the time, we had 
um, one provider that was a CELIC that was um, willing to do work in the area. And what happened um, with all of these other ad hoc committees getting stood up and um, the process kind of growing and shifting and changing um, was we were able to get a lot more interest from other providers. Um, and um, some of that was, um, I was at Fiber Connect 2022 in Nashville and getting outreach from providers. Um, but really the focus in the area has been to partner with um, local providers that are in the area and or the shift recently has been a lot of partnerships with ILEX just because we have some pretty massive make ready challenges in the area. So um, it's, it's a lot easier for them to meet the needs and for aerial deployment <clears throat> and not have to go through the same make ready process. Yeah. As soon as the bead funding became real around mid last, uh, uh, the middle of this year, mm -hmm. um, the ILEX, if you will, came out of the woodwork. I mean, yeah. it, it was a lot of small, small regional players, SELEX, uh, um, you know, if the ILX participated, they only did part of a community, not all of it. Um, and it's to the point, Curtis, where not only are we seeing ELEX or ILEX partnering um, as part of the RFP process, we're seeing them in this latest round of the uh, capital project fund that the Public Service Commission has uh, uh, put out where there's 42 million available, we have seen some ILEX uh, just independently on their own go for funding in parts of the community, which we never would have imagined before. So they're, they're being aggressive on their own part, which uh, was a, a, a big surprise. Uh, you know, there were some towns that weren't ready yet to, to make a decision on their, on the, their RFP process, or some are in the, are going to reissue their RFPs because they they've seen more interest from ILEX. Mm -hmm. um, but in this recent funding, there was a couple. There are a couple of the ISPs that are in these ILEX that just put uh, a request in really without partnering, uh, which was kind of surprising. Um, but but it just shows how aggressive and uh, the mentalities changed. You know, relative to going after the bead funding or getting ready to go after the bead funding. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that the the key is is doing at, taking action. That's why I think communities need to be more proactive in this area. I, you know, I, I've had some personal experience with communities that have sat on the sat on the sideline and just let market forces do what they want to do, and they're still waiting for better broadband. And others that have gone through processes like what you're going through are able to you know stand up and be noticed, and then hopefully served by someone mm -hmm. because. It always doesn't come down to just a building publicly owned networks. It's about helping identify the challenges and attracting providers that are willing to step forward, perhaps with partnerships to uh, solve those problems. So yeah. I think that's probably the, one of the biggest lessons as we've shared amongst the various community uh, stakeholders that are championing this, you know, the, the, the key part of the messaging that we've learned, Curtis says, this isn't, you know, if you're going to wait for this magic ISP to come out of the sky and <clears throat> put fiber to everyone's house, you know, that, that isn't happening. Market forces didn't work at all. Right. But they cherry picked locations, left the rural, you know, community in the dust. Um, so, 
So your community has to, you know, spend some money. It's a tax levy, but if you put it in terms of an investment that you're partnering with someone to get over the hurdle rate to come into your community, you know, the more and more we talk about investment and the more and more you show what that tax levy looks like as a portion of a monthly subscriber bill, right. and they really see how much they're actually, you know, saving, you know, or that, or their, their, how small that investment is to get the kind of, of uh, service in their community and putting in that kind of context, you know, you're able to get a lot more buy-in and there really hasn't been any, you know, pitch pitchforks and shovels sorts of meetings, you know, at all in, in the towns. It's been very engaging and, you know, some, you know, residents at some of these meetings say, you know, why on God's green earth did we do this, you know, years ago sorts of thing. So, you know, the context of, hey, this is an investment, you know, you know, along with what the ISP is doing, along with, with the potential that the BEAT funding or other state funding, if you have it in your area, will provide, um, you know, there's, I think there's a lot more momentum for folks to take a look at those different types of uh, solutions. Yeah, and to circle back to the discussion we had, you know, with partnering to use the WISER survey, um, some of our municipalities, um, you know, just for the town board's sake to feel mm -hmm. a little bit better because of that tax levy discussion, you know, they created their own um, municipal surveys that they sent out. And some of them, some of them were a little lengthy and some were really short, you know, um, and some of them had some really good strategy where they did it um, during an election. And it was, you know, three, three questions and they just had someone you know, after people were done voting that um, they were, you know, all volunteering from the committee and they all took shifts and talked yep. to people about that and got feedback, you know, from their community directly on the people that were at um, the polls um, to kind of have a better idea of like, you know, do you, do you want this work to continue? Mm -hmm. Are you okay with funding it, you know, depending on, you know, what that cost is? And are you interested in being um involved or volunteering right, right you know um because some of our committees you know you, you don't necessarily know everyone that's in your community um and what you know maybe they're just a part-time we have a lot of secondary homeowners here um that are you know software developers or right. have background in it or or are retired you know and have time for this and and have been a very intricate part of their committee work well, you gotta you gotta mine for those hidden gems when it's yeah. all hands on deck in a project like this. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the that's really one of the keys, right? Mm -hmm. Is make it an open, transparent process so that people can engage to whatever level they want to. And I think that most people, um, you know, once they understand the issue, they see this as a quality of life initiative. And communities have been investing in quality of life initiatives forever that's why we have trails and communities and parks and mm -hmm. and things like that because it improves the quality of life for the people who live there they don't necessarily have a direct return on their investment um but they are returning on the investment of making it a great place to live and work and play and so i think that's why people tend to get behind these efforts like what you're doing there in door county mm -hmm. 
Well, I want to really thank you both for coming on today. It's been a great discussion and uh, want to thank Door County for being a C-Band community member. Thank you for uh, joining in our little network here and hopefully the information that folks learn by uh, enjoying the podcast today will come in handy as they maybe look to do some their own local planning. So uh, I want to thank again our guest today, uh, Jessica Hatch. She's the broadband coordinator for Door County, Wisconsin. And uh, We've got uh, Hugh Zettel, who is the chair of the broadband committee there. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. You bet. And we'll see you all next time here on Broadband Action.